pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for your spirit that it is um, present in this place, God, and just empowering us and guiding us and leading us. And Lord, we thank you as that we hear your word, God. It changes us. It empowers us. It leads us. It guides us into victory, into understanding of who you are, God. And we just thank you for for who you are, God, your love for us, your kindness towards us, that while we were still sinners, God, that you sent your son to die for us, that you didn't look at who we were, God, but you saw the value in us and you saw that you loved us and you sent your son. And we thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So I don't know if I'm going to be as exuberant as Sarah was, but I'm going to, yeah, I move around a lot, but that's about, uh, about as good as it's going to get. So, um, so you guys ever uh, read Acts and wonder, how did it end? Guess what? It doesn't end. It's called the Acts of the Church. And there's a reason why it didn't kind of end everything. It's because the Acts of the Church continue today. We are in, let's just say, Acts 4050. I don't know when. Acts 2021. I don't know. I don't know how that book is going to end because it is being continually written on this earth today because it was never meant to end. The acts of the church were never meant to end at chapter 28 and be like, yep, well, we just stopped doing everything then because yeah, that would just be lame and God doesn't like lame. Um, so if you guys look at Acts and you turn to chapter 16, you guys have all, a lot of you guys have heard this um, chapter before you were taught this as kids. This was a great, this is one of the stories, you know, have you ever had the, the children's um, Christian storybooks when you were kids or ever seen those? This is one of the, the, one of the stories that's in there. I remember as a kid looking at it and it was always cool because, you know, it was a, it's a, one of those great and powerful stories where God is doing things in people's lives. So Acts 16. So Paul is, is being called to different areas, different locations to spread the gospel and he's called the Macedonia, and he gets called there, and he's doing work, and but Paul wants to go somewhere else. And I'm going to read to you uh, six, chapter 16, verse 10. And then Paul had seen the vision. Immediately he sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So he goes into this town, and God had told him, go into this town, go into this area, and do what you need to do. So he goes in and he meets some people. He, he converts a, a woman named Lydia, who is um, one of the main people there. But I, what I love is this, is verse 16. As they were going to a place of prayer, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain for, by fortune telling. She followed Paul and crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. So you've got this, this girl who is possessed, oppressed. I don't know how, don't know all the details of it, but she's got a spirit of divination. And she's going around behind Paul, in front of Paul, saying, this is the mo These are men of the Most High God. She is telling people, this is, these are the guys that are going to help you. This is what's going to save you. That sounds good, right? I mean, we, we, yeah, that sounds good. But what we don't see is the tactic of the enemy involved in that. What the Spirit was doing is proclaiming the Spirit of the good news of Jesus and trying to gain recognition from it. 
Well, if she knew this was the Spirit, she must have some insight to who God is. She must have some insight and know who God is. She must, if she can tell that this is the Spirit, these are the men of God, then she knows God because she can tell that before we did. So what she was trying to do is she was trying to gain recognition before Paul could say, this is who I am. Jesus has sent us to preach the good news to you. So she's trying to gain notoriety and recognition because the Spirit wants to stop what Paul is doing. Can you imagine that for days? You know, you're walking through the, the countryside, you're preaching in the, in the cities, and, and you got some random girl walking in front of you and sc- screaming this out in front of everybody who comes to you. And they're like, she's not with us. But what she's trying to do, she's trying to gain that notoriety. She's trying to gain traction for the enemy to have a foothold in that community, in that city, in those villages by having her see what's going on. Here's the thing. The spirit that is controlling her and, and motivating her is seeing what is going on in the spiritual. Here's the thing is, the demons knew Jesus said, have you come to, to persecute us and come to torment us before our time? So they know what's going on. They sense when the presence of God is on someone. They sense when Paul and Silas were going through the towns preaching the good news. And so what she's trying to do is she's trying to hinder the work. What I love is this. The enemy will always try to take credit for what God is doing. I think it's funny. I I think it's hilarious that the enemy will always try to to gain um, popularity, gain acceptance, gain um, movement and ground by trying to tell someone, oh, well, I'm doing this, or I'm doing this, and but I'm following God. That's what she, they, they were trying to make. Is basically this girl, they were trying to think, well, if she knows, she must be following God, so we're going to go to her and find out what God has to say. But the enemy will always try to gain credit for what God is doing. If God is doing something good, he's going to try to gain credit for it in one way or the other. He's going to announce his understanding of things to make him seem like he is in cue with God, walking with God, hearing from God, and that he's all-knowing. So what that, that girl was doing is saying, I know what is happening in the spiritual realm. I know that these men are here to preach the good news of Jesus, the, the, the one who takes away the sins of the world. And she kept doing this for many days. And I love what it says. It says, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, not just annoyed, greatly annoyed, turned to the, and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. The enemy will always try to move ahead of what God is doing to disrupt the plans that God has for you, for his church, for his kingdom, and whatever is, whatever is happening in the kingdom of God. So what was happening in that moment was with that girl doing those things before Paul became greatly annoyed is she was trying to hinder the work of the Holy Spirit moving in the hearts of people. Here's the thing. God wants to move in the hearts of people and let them know that this is the, he is the way, the truth, and the life. But when you have that spirit and that girl walking around screaming, this is the, this is the men of God, what's happening is he's trying to squelch the Holy Spirit moving in those cities. If you look at Jesus, what happened? He cast the uh, demons out into the pigs. The pigs 
ran into the, the sea, and what did they say? Oh, we can't have you here. Please, can you leave? Because they were afraid. So what happens is, is when, when the enemy goes ahead, he's always, his, he's always trying to be one step ahead of what God is doing and say, well, you know what? I'm going to figure out how to gain recognition. I'm going to figure out how to stop the movement of the Holy Spirit in this place. I'm going to stop any movement of salvation, of reconciliation, of repentance. And it makes him look powerful. It makes the person who is doing that look powerful. You know, Paul had about enough of it. And he used the same name that she was declaring to cast that demon out of her. Here's the thing is, the demons will say the name of Jesus. They understand, they know who Jesus is. But Paul said, you know what? Hey, by the way, that name you're declaring, what you're doing is not right. And he's like, I'm become, he probably walked over. You're greatly annoying me. And come out in the name of Jesus. I don't think it was like that. Knowing the personality of Paul, there was probably a, a larger voice, a little bit of a raised tone. And um, I can't imagine how that girl felt once Paul commanded the spirit to come out of her. But he said, you know, that same name that she was using, you know, these are men of the most high God. He used that name because that name has power. That's why the enemy will try to use that name and try to use that recognition because he wants to gain power over, over God. But there is no name more powerful than the name of Jesus. And so when Paul used that name, he says, there's power in that name. And when I use that name, you can't sit there in that girl anymore. You can't stand in that pre- in the presence anymore. And he says, go away. He was greatly annoyed. I'm going to start using that term. I'm greatly annoyed. I'm going to start using that in term when I have to fi- uh, fire off emails with some of my vendors at work. I am greatly annoyed with the way that you were talking about. Demon, come out. Oh, wait, no, I can't. I'm sorry. Sorry. Sometimes I feel like doing that, but I can't reach to the phone and do that. But, um, but Paul had about enough of that girl. He had enough of that spirit in control, pretending to know that it knew God. You know, there, there's going to be circumstances in our life where we're going to come into that someone or something is trying to hinder, trip up, or work against the plan of God for your life, for your family for your church, whatever it is. And the enemy's going to use people. You know, we talk about, we battle not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities. When people let principalities take over their life, when they submit themselves to principalities, to the enemy, what happens is, is this. He uses them to break down the church. He uses them to break down believers and to um, discourage them. You ever had somebody like, oh, they're just so sweet, but by the time you get done talking to them, you're like, I just don't feel encouraged. I don't, they're super nice, but you're, by the time you get done, you're like, kind of depressed and kind of melancholy after having that conversation. You ever talk to someone and then you get a bad attitude after that? You're like, How, wait a minute, I was having a great day and now it's like, what in the heck happened? It's because the enemy is going to work his little plans, his schemes, to trick us, to trip us up, to cause us to stumble and keep us from growing. You know, I look at, like Sarah and I, 
in our lives. We've had people that God has used to build us up, to encourage us. But the enemy has also put people in our life that pretend that they care, pretend that they want to help. And what they do is they have their own selfish intentions, which is still part of the plan of the enemy, is to be selfish. I mean, he's pretty selfish. I mean, he rebelled against God. I mean, he pretty much had everything, and he decided that he wanted to go on his own and try whatever he could do. And I don't know how well that worked out for him. I can kind of kind of know where he's going to go. But um, we've had people in our life that are, oh, yeah, we're just, we're for you, we're for you. And you find out in the background they're sabotaging things or they're causing problems, causing discord. And you will have those people in your life. Do you think they're friends? And then after a while you're like, wait a minute, I don't know if they're really my friend because every time I'm up, they try to push me down. And when I'm up, they talk bad about my circumstances when i have when i have something good happen their their happening is always better than my happening it's that one-upness you know oh you know i did really good on this well i did it even better well good for you um so you will have people that will try to trip you up they will try to discourage you when you are being joyful they will try to to push down the joy that you have when you when god is doing something like well i don't know if that's god doing that for you maybe that's just you know something happened but you have to be able to see that. You have to be able to, to, to identify what the enemy is doing in your life. Because he's always doing something. We just, we just have to be able to identify it and say, no, not today, not ever. And you're not going to do that. And don't be surprised if, someone, if the enemy plants someone in your life that you, you think is best friends with you, for you, and actually is against you. We have to be aware of that. We have to be vigilant of that because there are people who don't care about you. They can, oh, you're, you're my best friend. No, they're not. They can, you can, they'll say that to your face, but as soon as you walk away, they're talking with the next person on, you see her kid? You know, I can't believe they did that. You see what she wore? I can't believe she wore that. But be vigilant. You have to be aware of what the enemy is doing. I think so many times as Christians, we walk around in la la, Christian la-la land and we are so oblivious to what the enemy is doing. It, it, all it says is he's here to kill, steal, and destroy. It can't be any plainer than that. So when he is out to kill, steal, and destroy... Okay, so I have a question. If your neighbor next door across the street comes over and says, I plan to kill, steal, and destroy in your life, what are you going to be doing? doing you're gonna be like blinds open all the time where's that crackpot at man you're just gonna be you're gonna be pulling the blinds down you'll be like security cameras but we don't do that in our christian life if somebody if your neighbor said that you'd be like i'm gonna get a big dog i'm gonna put like a cannon in the front yard you know you're like i'm gonna take i'm gonna pay attention to this crazy lunatic you're gonna call mental health i'm gonna call john you know you're gonna call mental health be like there's some dude that just threatened to kill me and you're going to be aware and you're going to be vigilant of what is happening. You're going to be like, lock the doors, keep all, all six dogs out. You're going to get a dog with rabies in the front yard just to, just to scare him away. You're going to do whatever you can to be aware of what is happening. Anybody ever been robbed? Something been stolen out of their car? You're like, how did this happen? My car is right next to my house. Because you weren't aware. 
So if someone says they're going to do that to you, you're going to be aware of, of the crazy neighbor across the street. But we're, why are we not aware of the enemy? Your kitty corner, it's okay. Your kitty corner, it's okay. Yeah, his cows are coming to get me. I swear every night I'm here, I hear moo. Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, no. My neighbor would not try to kill me, right, John? Okay, good. That's good. Um, um, makes me happy. Makes me feel a little more safe. I always tell John, I said, we're both, we both have things that are within each other's range. So if somebody's down at his house, I'm still within range, and he's within range. And, and watching. We watch each other. We guard each other. We're like, he'll call, there's somebody in your, there's somebody, text me, there's somebody in your driveway. I'm like, who? He's like, it's this car. I'm like, oh, don't worry. We know that person. Or I'll call me like, hey, do you know somebody in this, this, and this? I don't know how many times I've gone down to the house and be vigilant. Like, what are you doing down here? Oh, he said we could do this. Hold on. Did you say they could do this? Yeah. Okay. You're good. Continue on. But why don't we do that in our, in our spiritual life? We, we become so um, delusional to what is going on. It's all like gumdrops and roses with God, but there is an enemy who is to, just to destroy us. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And we're not, we're aware in the physical. Well, if somebody's trying to do that, we'll be aware. But in the spiritual, we become so blinded to it. We're like, well, you know, God's going to protect me. Yes, he's going to protect you. But there's still an enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. There's going to be people who want to see you destroyed. There's going to be people who want to see you fall and do bad and, and, and be destroyed. Because they are under the control of the enemy and they don't care what happens to you. I don't know where I went on that one. That was not on script, but that was good. Anyway, so 1 Peter 5, 7-9 through 9 says, Casting all of our anxieties because He cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. That's where I was going with that, yeah. Be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour so here's here's my thing if you had some random thousand pound animal walking through your yard roaring at you would you not like yeah i'm gonna go out and pet it no you're gonna stay in the house and be like um animal control you're not you're we're we have to be aware of the enemy. He goes around like a roaring lion. He's going to let you know. He's going to do things in your life to give you evidence that he wants to destroy you. He's going to do things in your life. And I think we have to be aware of what he's doing. Because if he goes around like a roaring lion, that means he's loud, he's obnoxious, and you want to punch him in the face. But he's going to let you know. He's going to be loud and obnoxious in your life, and you have to be aware of it. And, you know, we look back and it's like, yeah, some people that thought they said they were our friends, they were loud and obnoxious that they weren't, and we didn't recognize it at that moment. They said, oh, yeah, we're with you, we're your friends, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, yeah, now that we look back, we were kind of dumb. We didn't see it. We didn't recognize what they were doing. We didn't recognize that they were outwardly being loud about not being with us. But we didn't have the ability to see at that moment. Most of the attacks of the enemy are able to be seen. We have to be aware of what is happening, sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is telling us. If, if we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we're going to know when God is asking us to move and not do things. You know, there's been times in our life where it's like, we should do this. 
And it's like, nope, we can't do this right now. Or we should uh, not do this. And the Holy Spirit's like, you need to do this. I remember when our kids were real little, we were driving um, between here and um, Bailey. And there's this one road and we were coming off this road. We we're coming down this road and there's, it's a T and there's a, this road goes straight. And there's a T right here. And I was driving and I remember kids are in the car and I come over that hill and all of a sudden I just see a car. I'm in the, and, and literally I just like, I, my attention was immediately towards that car and I'm watching that car. And immediately I go in the other lane into the dirt while that car almost hits me. And I was like, that was the Holy Spirit prompting me and letting me know because I wasn't paying attention to what's happening on my right-hand side. I'm looking at the road, seeing, okay, is someone to come over this lane, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, boom, I was like, attention, right there. He got my attention. And I was like, I was in the other lane, almost off the road, but he saved us from being T-boned. But we have to be aware. That was like being sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's telling us and prompting us. It was like, oh my gosh, he just caught my attention because I wasn't, there was trees in the way but I was, I was being prompted by him to pay attention to that area. You guys ever had that feeling like you need to pay attention to a certain area in your life or where you're, when you're out doing things, you need to be a, paying attention to what is going on. That's why it says we need to be vigilant. We need to be paying attention. He's going around. He's trying to destroy us. He's going to give us signs that he wants to destroy us. So Paul is like, oh, by the way, that spirit that's in you doesn't need to be in you anymore. I don't, I don't even understand. I don't think we can ever fathom the release that girl had by having that, that spirit cast out of her. Because here's the thing is to kill, steal, and destroy. If that spirit is in her, on her, oppressing her, the only thing he's trying to do is kill, steal, and destroy her. If we look throughout scripture, every time we talk about someone that is possessed or oppressed by um, the enemy, um, talks about throwing themselves in the fire and trying to drown themselves and, and hurting themselves because that's what the enemy does. He he's, has nothing but a plan to destroy us. You know what's great about this is she was set free from that. Paul said, "You know what? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna set you free today." But her owners didn't like it. Verse nineteen says, "When her owners saw it, and their hope of gain, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged him before the marketplace." And when they brought them before the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing the city. The advocate of customs that are not, or excuse me, they advocate for customs that are not lawful for Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in and attacking them. The magistrates tore their garments off, beat them with rods, and then they threw them in prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Okay, so... If you uh, look at older style prisons, they would have prisons and they would have two sets of walls. So you'd have your inner prison, which was completely locked down, and then you would have your outer prison, which was a less secure place. So you'd have, uh, just imagine two circles. So your inner prison was Paul and Silas. The outer prison was for less offensive people, and it was a, a wall of protection to keep people in. So Paul stands up to what the enemy is doing. He sees what the enemy is doing in this town. He's like, I've been sent here to preach the good news. God sent me to preach the good news to release captives from bondage. And we got this girl walking around. He's like, well, I'm going to help her too. He wasn't like, you're bugging me, go away. 
He was like, you're bugging me. You're stopping the, the move of, of what God is trying to do right now. I'm going to deliver you first to show what God can do. It wasn't just, oh, yeah, look at this girl. She's released. Now move away. We're gonna... Paul performed a, a miracle in front of these people to see the power of God released into the town. And they didn't really like it, especially the owners. They're like, uh, our cash cow just went away. So I think so many times we, I think we fall into that category of people coming and telling us good news. Oh, this lady was telling them about the good news. She's like, oh, these are the men of God. You know, I, I think so many times we, we forget that there's people that are going to try to tell us good news that have no good intentions for us. So I love this. At about midnight. That's the best time. They say nothing good happens after midnight. It's not true. Verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Think about that. You're, you're, you're chained to the floor. You're in an inner part of the prison, so you're locked up and you're chained up. So they're like, oh, we've got to be careful. These, these Christians are going to escape. Um, but they're praising God and singing hymns to God. And, you know, and I look at them and their ability to find joy in a situation. They've been beaten with rods, you know, it's not, it's not an easy thing to be beaten with rods. I'm just saying. And then they're thrown into prison. And I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't beat rods. And they're like, oh, let me fix your back up a little bit. Oh, you need some peroxide on that. And here's a Band-Aid. No. They beat them with rods, threw them into prison. And, and we know most prisons probably weren't the most sanitary places. And they're sitting in there on the ground, chained to the floor. And what are they doing in those times of persecution, in those times of pain, in those times of trouble? They're singing and praising God and singing hymns to him. Praise opened the door for breakthrough for them. They were singing for breakthrough. They weren't like, oh God, if you, it's your will, please release us. They're like, God, you are good even when we are in trouble, even when we are persecuted, even when we're chained to the floor and beaten, you are still good. You know, I think... We would be a lot like David. We would be in that prison and be like, oh God, you've forsaken me. Why'd you leave me in this pit? You know, whining like a three-year-old to God, like, why did you leave me here? No, they weren't. They're like, God has brought us to this place for a reason, for a purpose. Even if it was just for that one girl to be released from the, the, the trap of the enemy in her life, from, be, from being possessed by the enemy, that would have been enough, I think, for them. But they're like, you know, God is good. We're going to sing to him. We're going to praise him. Praise was releasing the power of God into the prison and into the prison and their circumstances. It wasn't like, oh, God, you're so good. Save everybody in this prison. It's like, God, you are good and you're going to do what you do. They weren't expecting anything from God. It doesn't say, oh, God, you're you're um, God. Please release us. We're going to sing to you. No, they were praising God just because he is who he is. They weren't like, oh God, we're trapped. Please release us from this pit in this miry, this miry place like David was. David wouldn't have been a good evangelist. I'm just saying he would have been like, God, you've forsaken me, you know, for the 105th time in the 
you know, the first hour. Um, but they basically are praising God. It's not asking for release. They're not asking for anything to happen, but they're praising God. And what I, I love is this. And it says, the jailer awoke after the, the prison was opened. He saw the doors open. He drew his sword about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. And Paul cried with a loud voice, said, do not harm yourself. We are all here. That doesn't, you know, think about this. If you're in prison and there's other people in there and they're hearing him doing that and if prison, all the gates open up, at least somebody's going to leave, right? Somebody's going to be like, yep, I'm out of here. I'm not going to stay in here. But he said, all of us are here. I, I, the power of God showed up in such a mighty way that people were like, oh my gosh, what is this? Like, I don't know what to do. We're just going to stay. I'm not even going to move. And then the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell before Paul and Silas. They brought them. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Within that, those few seconds of God showing up, he, he probably was hearing them sing and praise God. But when God's power showed up, he, he fell, on his feet, uh, fell on his knees and said, What must I do to know Jesus? The evidence of God showing up moved him to want to say, I need to know Jesus. I need to know this God that you're singing to and this God you're singing about. He saw a miracle happen in front of him. You know, it'd be different if one jail cell popped open. But when the ground shakes and the foundations of the jail shake and every door is open and every inmate is there, That's a miracle. And they said, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that had been, excuse me, that he had believed in God. Think about this. If God had brought them in there, into that town just for that girl, that was great to be released from what she was doing. But God, what if God only brought him into that place for the jailer, for his family to be released? I love how God says, I am, a, I, I am the one who releases captives, and then he uses jailhouse scenes to release people from captivity, right? God uses really practical applications for what he says to us. The man understood and recognized the power of God when he went through that, that moment. He saw the miracle he wanted and said, I need to know this man that you are singing about. I need to know this man that you've been preaching about. You know, we really don't know why God wanted them to go to that particular area. Well, we do know why God wanted, but we don't know the plan for that particular area. But think about this. The jailer was born again. His family was born again. You know what? What's better than being a Christian with a captive audience? Literally, a captive audience. This jailer now can go back to his job with a captive audience and preach the good news. He can say to them, I met Jesus. 
I was the jailer. This is what happened. I can't imagine what the rest of those guys in that prison were feeling like, too. I mean, that would have been a little freaky to, you know, for that to happen. What kind of a revival could he have started in that prison? There's a reason why prison ministry is there, because God wants to release people from captivity. He wants to release them from the sin and the, 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 the pain of death when being separated from him. Sometimes revivals start in the least place we expect it. Sometimes we, I think we want to pick and choose how God works and how, who God picks to start things and to be part of things, and I don't think God does. God says, I don't care who it is, I will use anybody who is willing and obedient to me. Jailer's born again. He can start a revival in, in his own workplace. God can use prisoners to start a revival. God can use a jailer to start a revival. He can use someone who was a fortune teller, who was oppressed, whatever, or oppressed or possessed by a demon to start a revival. God's plan for our life sometimes does not look like it should. I think sometimes we want a clear picture of what God is doing. I, God, I need to see exactly what you're doing, when you're doing it for two years down the road, and I'll, I'll, then it's going to be easy for me to, to, to trust you. But Paul and Silas were jailed for a reason, and sometimes the str trials, struggles, persecution are for the greater glory of God, or for people to be born again to, to know God. I think if Paul said, oh, if Paul knew, God said to him, oh, by the way, you're going to be uh, beaten with rods and you're going to be thrown in jail. He said, well, I'll come back, you know, when he might have said, oh, I'll come back a little bit later when everything's kind of cooled down. But I think, you know, what? I'm probably wrong with that. Paul would be like, bring it on. You know, I think Paul was just, just cocky enough and just zealous enough to say, you know what, we're going to get beaten by rods. Yeah, let's go. Come on, let's, let's go. He's like, it happened before. Well, it'll, it'll be fine. But sometimes God's plan and direction is not clear. But his plan, his plan is always perfect. His plan is always perfect if we are allowing him to work in our lives, allowing us to, or excuse me, we're allowing him to guide us. His plan is always perfect. But it's just we have to line it into that will. We have to get into that, that perfect spot where God is saying, Okay, you're listening, you're obeying. I think those are the two things. Listening and obeying are some of the hardest things for us to do as human beings because we have our own will. And it's hard to submit our own will over to the will of God sometimes and say, you know, I'm going to listen and obey to what you're doing. But God used a jailhouse moment for people to be born again. God will use any circumstance in our life for people to be born again. He will use tragedy in our lives, for people to come to know Jesus. He will use highs and lows in our life for people to come to know him. If he's not a respecter of persons, then he doesn't care who you are, and he will use your, your walk and your life to bring people to Christ. But we have to line up to what he's doing. I think sometimes when we're dealing with the situations that we're going through, we have to look at Paul and Silas and say, you know, I'm going to praise and sing during, the, during the, the struggle. I'm going to praise and sing while the captivity is happening. I'm going to praise and sing while the sickness is happening. 
I'm going to praise and sing when some tragedy strikes. I'm going to praise God during the hard times. It's some of the hardest things to do in our life. We immediately want to go into the David. God, where are you? Why have you done this? Why have you let this happen? Why have you abandoned me? And we have to get into that Paul and Silas mindset of, I'm going to sing and praise and talk to God while this is happening. Pick up, pick up the mantle of boldness when you go through a trial. Because boldness will say, you know, I'm not going to back down. This trial is a temporary thing. It's a small season in, in a long life. And so many times we, we have to stay away from the mindset of David and some of the things that, you know, please don't read Ecclesiastes um, or Lamentations when you're going through a lot of trials sometimes because especially limitations, one, one, you know, everything is pointless. Life is, you know, don't read that. Please don't read that. Read something encouraging. Read what God is doing. Don't read Solomon being like, oh, I'm just being depressed today. Um, but when we go through those trials and we go through those tribulations and we're, we're struggling, be like Paul and Silas say, we're chained, we're beaten, and we're in prison, but I'm still going to sing and praise God. I'm still going to rejoice in who he is and that he is good. The jailer understood what they were doing. When, when that all happened, he's like, I understand what is happening. He saw, the, he saw what they were doing and he saw the, saw the effect of what was happening from them singing and praising. I think he put two and two together very well. He put that together and he's like, okay, you sang and praise God. Earthquake, prisons open. I need to know Jesus. It was probably a really quick, quick understanding in his head. Like, okay, this is what happened. The other prisoners are like, you know, what are you doing? This guy understood. And I think sometimes we have to be quick to understand. Have have the Holy Spirit allow, ask the Holy Spirit to allow us to understand things quickly and be prompted by them. Because God was prompting that jailer. That jailer, I guarantee you, wasn't sleeping. He was listening to what Paul and Silas were doing. He was hearing what they were saying. He was listening to the songs that they were singing. And what was happening is is his heart was starting to change. His heart was starting to be softened. The Holy Spirit was working on him. And the moment the earthquake happened, he's like, oh my gosh, my, my life is gone. I've let everybody go. I'm going to be... And Paul's like, no, hey, stop. We're here. We're not going anywhere. And he's like, I need to know this man called Jesus. But our praise will open the door through our breakthrough. Here's here's the great thing is, when God is working for us, nothing can stand against him. If nothing can stand against him, when we start to praise him and he's working on our behalf, he's, he's, he's doing things for us, we don't have to, we don't have to fight. We, our praise and our, our worship towards him is what takes care of everything we need to do i think so many times we just we have to get in that mindset of praising praising him and thanking him instead of trying to strive take the striving out of our christianity and start to praise and worship him and thank him for what he's doing in our lives because breakthrough will come quicker when we don't focus on what's going on we want to we want to dissect the situation and well if i if i do this and if i do this and you know like okay so i'm saying y'all need to have a budget if you don't have a budget make a budget but if we go through a financial time where we have to say, okay, we have to start to 
tighten our finances up and say, okay, you know, if a job came or, or went or whatever, we have to we have to figure out what's going on. But I think so many times instead of saying, okay, we have to dissect every little thing. Okay, well, I can't I can't buy this fifty cent pack of gum because you know I wouldn't be a good steward of what I'm doing. No, quit doing quit doing that. Be smart with your money. Be wise with what God is telling you to do with your money. But also what you need to do is you need to start to praise through that. Instead of saying, well, I have to dissect everything. I have to, I have to know where every cent is going of everything and we can't do anything. No, just be smart with what you're doing. Ask God to, to work in, on your behalf. Praise him through those trials. Praise him through those, those moments of, of sickness. Praise him through those moments when you have pain and watch God work. Watch God do what he's going to do. If he will break two men out of jail and save a jailer and release a girl from a demonic possession, then he's going to work on it for you. But we've got to start to praise him through the breakthrough. Praise him for the breakthrough and thank him when we're through it. And then recognize when God shows up. When, when, and when God does show up, recognize it and acknowledge it and proclaim it. The only way people know about Jesus is when we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And when you, the only way people are going to know something happened in our life is when we tell them something has happened in our life. Yeah. You ever had something good happen and you never told anybody about it? Yes. But here's the thing is our testimony is so powerful. Think about it. This man is going to go back into his job and say, oh, by the way, this is what happened a couple weeks ago. You need to know Jesus. But he recognized the power of God. He recognized what God was doing and submitted to that power. Let's pray.